Alright, we are in Psalms chapter 46. I want you to notice the first verse. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And I'm not here today to get everyone depressed, but um, if you watch the news at all, there's a lot of stuff. If you just go out in public, there's a lot of stuff in our world going very bad. There's a lot of problems out there. We have just complete and total lawlessness going on unchecked. Cities have just completely lost control. Chicago, I mean, they're just being taken over by hoodlums. I mean, groups of teenagers can just go in, vandalize places, shoplift. I mean, just complete unchecked lawlessness. They have no idea what to do in these places. It's just completely out of control. We've got homelessness on the rise. We've got drug use on the rise. We've got more and more, um, you know, mentally ill people out there, wherever you want to call it, just uh, going completely crazy. And um, it's just not too many places are safe anymore. More and more you just see videos of fights breaking out at Walmart, at restaurants, at airports, on airplanes. I mean, just people are losing their mind. And our world is getting really crazy. Perversion is being promoted in the highest offices in our land. We've got our president promoting lawlessness, perversion, our governor promoting perversion in just a disgusting way with no shame at all, with just absolutely no shame at all. I just saw a video clip of Joe Biden uh, from when he was vice president talking about how we didn't need, there was no point in making any constitutional amendment, you know, to protect marriage. Everybody knows marriage is between a man and a woman. That wasn't that long ago. He's like, we don't even need to worry about this. Now, you know, he's promoting the transgender foolishness. I mean, it's just absolutely out of control. We have shootings just constantly happening. School shootings going on all over the place. We have the shredding of the Constitution going on in our country. So fantasies being promoted and blindly followed where we're terrible people if we don't use people's preferred pronouns, if we misgender somebody. It's illegal in some places to misgender somebody. You know, and, you know, we, we had people thinking for three years they were saving the world by wearing a mask. We've got people who think they're going to save the world by not eating animals and stuff. You know, we've got, you've got people going and blocking roads all over the place, you know, to protest stuff. I don't understand why you can't run people over like that. I don't know why they don't just pass a law, honk at them three times. If they don't move, it's their own fault. I, I think that, that's how I would do things. But um, we could go on and on just depressing you. I could, just, you know, I could have got up here and just showed you a bunch of video clips of just insanity out in the streets from Washington, D.C., you know, from our leaders. It's, just, it's bad. So uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Obviously, we need God for a refuge. Obviously, in our nation, we are in trouble. We are in a storm. And whether uh, you know, if you're facing a personal battle, whether we're facing a, a battle as a church or as a nation, God has always got to be the refuge. Verse 2 says, Therefore, because God is our refuge, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And so notice that reference to the earth being moved, mountains even being cast into the sea. Whatever happens, we should not fear because we have God as a refuge, even though things in nature are even moving around. Keep that in mind. Verse 3, 
Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. I mean, I've never been... The closest thing I've ever been to an earthquake, one time there was one we had and we lived in Cherry that was like all over the place where it kind of woke us up in the middle of the night. But it happened so fast, I, I didn't know if I... I thought I dreamt it, but my wife remembered it and then we heard about it in the news the next day. But I've never been in a big earthquake. That would be pretty scary though. You know, the earth literally being moved. Uh, it says, and you know, um, you know, floods. Floods can be a scary thing. And so notice all these references of things in nature being moved. We don't like global or climate chaos. I mean, we panic over our, we, we panic over this changing of spring to summer and summer to fall. You know, every year people panic about that. But there is there's you know what we want order and consistency, don't we? That, that's what we want. That's what we look for. And then in, so, so in verse four, after it's been talking about all this chaos in nature, it says there is a river. The streams whereof made glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. And notice that stream that's mentioned. And something that all of us like. Something that, is in, that we all instinctively enjoy. Is, and that is just that consistent flow of water. You know, have you ever just sat and looked at this, watched a stream, watched a river? We like seeing that kind of thing, don't we? And you know what we want when you, when you have a stream? You want consistency. And it's like, why do we like looking at water like that? Why do we care about stuff like that? You know why? Because water is a necessity of life. And when you just have those, and we don't think about it much because we have running water. But you know, back in the day when people's lives depended on these things, you know, when it was, when access to water was a lot harder, especially if you lived in some deserty area, you know what? It gave you a peaceful feeling seeing that water flowing by. And you know what would scare you is if it started drying up, if it wasn't coming as fast. And you know what else would scare you? If it started coming too much and flooding you because water can be very destructive. What we all want, we all want that consistency. And notice there is a stream that's like that. You know, from God, you do have consistency. With God, you do have that never-ending source of everything that is needed for sustenance, for life. You know, it's not going to flood. It's not going to dry up when it comes from God. But when it comes to things in this earth, guess what? We have floods. The Mississippi is flooding right now. You know, in, in, in nature, sometimes it dries up. Euphrates is drying up, you know, in, in certain places right now. Oh, that's prophetic. You know, we, we, have, we have that kind of thing happening all the time. We're always hearing about the Colorado River and... Uh, where it goes through Las Vegas and stuff. I guess a lot of that is drying up in places and climate change and let's raise taxes and it'll solve all our problems. But people freak out about that stuff. They, they freak out about those things. And so we do. We like that consistency. Verse 6 says, The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. And the lost will always have something to panic about, like the climate. But you know, we don't have to participate in that. I am not scared of climate change at all. The only thing I get worried about sometimes that I, that I need to work on is I'm afraid of what our government's going to do to try to help. That's what scares me. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not afraid of the climate at, at all. Verse 8, come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. 
He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. God is ultimately the one in control of these things. When it comes to wars, when it comes to famines, when it comes to these things, God's in control, not our government. I am terrified about what our government might do. But let me tell you, God, he knows what's going on. He's the one that's really in charge of these things. And he's the one that we ought to be looking to. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And that's where we got our text. A lot of our songs today, our monthly memory verse, it's kind of all been along the lines of this be still and know that I am God. I want you to get this in your head. I want you to think about this. I want to make sure you fully understand what he's talking about right here. This is so important. He says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. And so, I want us to focus on that phrase. Be still and know that I am God. What God's saying here is that wars, catastrophes, things in nature, they are not something that should move us. They are, there are some things that do not change with the times. But sadly, when things get tough, that is when people start changing. And we as Christians, we have been called to be still in certain areas. And so, be still, you could say that means not to move and to, or to keep doing what you've been called to do. Be still does not mean do nothing. Okay, understand that too. It doesn't mean just do nothing. A lot of people have this attitude, I'm just waiting on God while they do nothing. Like, no, there's some things that don't change. Okay, we've all been called to read our Bibles. If you're having a spiritual problem right now, don't say be still means I don't read my Bible. I'm just waiting for God to show me something. No, you keep reading your Bible. You keep praying without ceasing. You keep going to church. You keep being a soul winner. You keep doing all the things that God said to do until he comes back. That's part of being still. Part of, uh, part of you being still is you being here today. Part of us being still is going out and preaching the gospel this afternoon. Part of you being still is reading your Bible and praying throughout the week. Part of you being still as a father is loving your wives, staying married to your wives, loving your kids, bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. These are things that we have been called to do. What I'm warning you about, and when it's talking about being still, it's when things go crazy, when things get bad, that is not the time to start changing things in your life. That's not the time to say, I, I'm gonna go on a, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take a break from church right now while I'm, while I'm dealing with this. I, I'm going to take a break from soloing right now because I'm dealing with some stuff right now. No, that's not how that works. Okay? That is not how that works. That is not the time to change. I was talking with somebody earlier today about somebody who took a break from the ministry 20 years ago. They went through a storm and they decided to take a break. 20 years later, they're still on their break. There's some things that we don't ever want to change on. There's some things we need to be still on. And so be still... It does. It's, it's telling us not to move or to keep doing what you've been called to do and know that I am God. That's telling us to watch and see what God does to prove he's in control of everything. Because it is what, what, the, what causes us to change often is we look at what's going around. We see all the movement. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. But it's real easy for us to look at persecution our church gets because of stuff that we preach that everybody used to preach at one time. But everybody's moving from that. 
Everyone's moving and a lot of people are seeing all that movement and they're making adjustments and you know what they're doing? They're moving with them. No, they're supposed to be still. We're, supposed, we're not supposed to move on those things. Yeah, but if we, if we keep preaching this stuff, we're going to keep getting persecuted. We're going to have this problem. You know what? And know that I am God. Let's just keep doing what He's called us to do and let's see what God does. Keep, it, keep our eyes on God because He's going to prove He is in control of everything. So let's look at some more Scriptures before we get to some of the specifics where we need to be still on just to see this uh, concept of being still. Psalms 4. Verse 1 says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. You know what causes a lot of people to move? Distress. What what do you do when you're distressed? You panic. You run. You hide. And he says, O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. So when you're in distress, you know what you do? You call on the Lord. And you know what you do? And then you cool it. You be still. You don't move. And you know, well, so what, what, what are we waiting for? You're waiting to see what God does. In the meantime, you be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Don't quit your righteousness. Don't give up on the things of God. That I, I'm telling you, I hate seeing that so much. When people go through difficult times, that's when they just start throwing everything out. Oh, I'm just having a crisis of faith right now. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go try some new stuff. I'm gonna go try a new religion. I'm gonna try a new way. You don't do that when you're in distress. No, that's when you stay the same. That's when you be still and watch and see what God does. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safely. So here again in chapter 4, we see this call to be still. When in distress when it's during trials that people, it's during those times and trials when people often go on the run and want to change everything. That is very foolish. We should never be governed by fear. And let me tell you something. A lot of the stuff that we are suffering from in our economy today, in our nation right now, it's because when there was a, a time of uncertainty, when people didn't know what was going to happen with the virus, they started throwing out things that were established at a time when people had their cool, when people understood. And the Bill of Rights was something that was very well thought out. The Constitution was something that was very well thought out. And what people should have done whenever the unknown came is they should have just cooled it, been still, stuck to the principles. So wait a minute. I know we could be going through something really difficult right now. We don't really know. But we have a law in this land. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to stick to it. And boy, if we'd have done that, we'd have been so much better off. But our country panicked. Our country went in distress. 
our country moved big time. And look at the, what we're dealing with today. Look at all the inflation that's going on. Look at the mental illnesses on the rise. A lot of this lawlessness and stuff that's going on. It, it, it's all related. It's all connected. The you know, news media doesn't want to talk about it because they promoted all the foolishness. The politicians certainly don't want to talk about that because they're the ones that pushed all this stuff. But you know what? Those of us who live in Realville, those of us who are able to just see and have common sense, we can look and see we're dealing with the results of bad decisions, poor leadership, people who are moved during a time of crisis rather than a time when they should have been stilled and stuck by their principles. We're suffering in our nation as a result. We never want to be governed by fear. And our, our, our governor, he governed the state by fear. And it hurt the state greatly. And so let's look at a great example of what God wants from us from, uh, wants from, us from one of Jesus' miracles. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 38, says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. This is during a storm. And they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And I want you to notice the similarities in the attitude of the disciples and the sea. And then I want you to notice Jesus in the storm. Because what's going on in the sea? Everything's going crazy. Everything's moving around. What are the disciples doing? Panicking. Going crazy. Moving around. Now, what's Jesus doing in the storm? He's sleeping. And, and, and there's a message there, folks. There's a message in all of Jesus' miracles. In the Bible, there, there's without a doubt a message. I've heard this said many times, and it's true. But if you are living the Christian life, you are always either in the middle of a storm or on your way out of a storm or on your way into a storm. This is the way it is. It's sad how many Christians today, too. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, 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 We always think the new generation is the worst generation that ever existed. But I'm telling you, this... Gen Z generation of Christians, they are the worst. They do not, they are not prepared for any battles. And, and it's, it's like that with churches too. I mean, they go into churches, they all just want to go where the excitement's at. But then as soon as a battle comes, they bail. I mean, mo, your Gen Zers, they run at the possibility of a battle coming. Folks, and it's just like the Christian life is going to be a battle. A Christian life, there's going to be tribulation. And what do people do when they see problems come up in a church? They go into hiding. They take a break. That is not how these things are supposed to work. You know what you're doing? You're acting like the disciples in a panic in that situation. You're not a very good Christian if you're doing that kind of thing. When, that, when, when, when a battle's going on and when a storm is going on, when things are moving, we see Jesus. What did, what did he tell the storm? He said, peace, be still. And it listened to him. But notice Jesus was already acting like things were peaceful, even when they weren't peaceful. Did you know that's what he wants from us? And I, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here today to tell you that I don't see this world getting any less crazy anytime soon. I don't see that happening. I think it's probably going to get worse. I think if our prophecy's right, it's definitely going to get worse. But did you know that we still need to be at peace? Did you know we still need to be still. 
You say, yeah, but the boat's rocking. Jesus is sleeping. Jesus doesn't seem to be worried about it. You know, and what, what we need to do is we need to, we need to calm down. Without a doubt, so we're in a storm in our nation right now. Without a doubt, we're facing storms in our church. Without a doubt, you may be facing storms in your personal life, but as a Christian, we can still rest in the storm. Remember what Moses said to Israel in a hopeless situation at the Red Sea. Exodus 14.10, he says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, and notice this cry to the Lord isn't really a good cry. This is more of a whining, complaining cry that they did. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And folks, that's not true. They, it was not good in Egypt. They didn't need to stay in Egypt. But they're like, look at the circumstances. We should have stayed in Egypt. No. You know what Moses said after that? Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. For the Egyptians from which you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. That was a fancy way of saying shut up. This is what he basically told him right there. And let me tell you something. The, the Jews right here, they, they were in a bad state. They were in a situation where they were in a hopeless situation. But I love what Moses said. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, most of the things we worry about are things that we've been called to leave alone. Hey, I'm not here today to talk, tell you to stand still in areas where God has called you to action. Okay, don't stand still when it comes to your kids and do nothing raising them. No, you follow the commands of God and you don't change. That's how that's the proper way to remain still there. But there are the things that cause us to move. The things that cause us to get all shook up are usually things we've been called to leave alone. And it's human nature for man to try to just move around and make adjustments and changes in the storms of life. But we need to understand there are some things that don't change. And even though we live in a twisted world right now, we're not going to be able to change it. And even though there's pressure to change, even though there, there is, there's a lot of pressure to change in areas, we can't move. And it's time for Christians to be still. And so I want to just look at a few areas where we need to make sure we stand still. And the first area we need to stand still is in our faith. Okay? In your faith, you need to stand still. And I'm not talking about just your faith for salvation. I'm talking about in your faith, your way of life, in your beliefs, that the things that you have, you've been taught that you know are true, the things you've been assured of. I'm telling you, we should never let tribulation change your faith. You want to know why a lot of people are changing their doctrine or transitioning is a word they're using today. You want to know why a lot of people are transitioning from the KJV? Not just because they're spiritual trainees. Okay? They're, they're doing that because there's pressure to do so. Okay? There's a lot of pressure to do that kind of thing. And you know what? We can't let tribulation change your faith. 1 Thessalonians 3.1 The church in Thessalonica, they were a church in tribulation. I'm telling you, if the early church could come to the future today 
and listen to our prophecy preachers, they would be so offended how we talk about tribulation as like some future thing. It's like, what do you think we were going through? Listen, the whole church age has been tribulation. Okay? I mean, mo- a lot of Christians in other countries would be offended if they heard us talking about tribulation, especially when we make tribulation and wrath the same thing. You know how offensive that's got to be to like Christians who are actually living like Christians in some difficult places? It's very offensive. But verse 1 says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it would be good to left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And if you remember when we were going through the book of Acts, they, or the book of 1 Thessalonians, they hadn't been in Thessalonica real long. They, hadn't, they didn't have a whole lot of time to teach these people, to strengthen these people, because the persecution was so intense during that time. And so Paul's writing to them, because, and they're wanting to establish them, they're wanting to comfort them. And he said that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. He says, you're appointed to afflictions and don't let them move you. The things that we are teaching you are causing you to be persecuted. Don't let that persecution move you. You stay true to these things because they're true. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and you know. So, Paul said, we're going to suffer tribulation, guys. Don't let it move you. Don't let persecution move you. And it is. It is sad. All the people who have preached the truth over the years, and then persecution comes along, and what do they do? They get moved. They change their position. They, they update things. Or, or they grow. There's another thing they'll say. Whenever they're transitioning, you know, I, just, I grew in this area. No, you didn't. You shrunk. You, you cowered. You hid in fear. You were right before. And, and you let these tribulations and persecution move you. Acts 20.22 20, says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, afflictions don't move me. And understand, did you know that's why they often beat these guys? They beat them. That was supposed to be a deterrent so they wouldn't do it again. But you know what they always did? They went and did it again. Every time. They get thrown in jail. All these terrible things would happen to them, but it didn't move them. They didn't say, you know what, let's update our position. They didn't compromise like the church in Jerusalem did. They stayed true to these things. And as a result, they got persecuted. And let me tell you, that had to have stunk for Paul. I think in Acts chapter 20 or 21, when he goes back to Jerusalem, and that church is compromised so much that when he goes there and preaches the truth, I mean, everyone's turning on him. There, He's getting beat up in the temple where there was a bunch of other supposed Christians hanging around there. And let me tell you, it does it's it stinks. I'm tired of being made to look like some fringe nut job for preaching what I do about the homos when it's what I grew up here. All I've just done is not let a bunch of queers move me. That, that's what not we're not supposed to do that. But what do people do? I you know, I remember when I was a kid, I could tell you so many stories about stuff I heard from the pulpit that would just make most people freak out today. 
And I, I remember hearing some of these things. And one of the things, they always made fun of them. They'd always call them fairies. They'd always call them girly men. They would always talk about just how, how weak and how wimpy they were and what a joke it was. I remember in the 90s when they were flipping out about don't ask, don't tell. And they're like, what in the world? Queers, the military, that doesn't make any sense at all. They would talk about how weak they were and they would make fun of them. And it was, it was pretty funny, some of the stuff that they would do, some of the uh, things that they would come up with. But now, some of those same preachers are letting those people they made fun of intimidate them into silence. To where they're actually preaching that, you know, when LGBT STDs come into your church, we ought to treat them with dignity and respect and all that stuff. Let them use whatever bathroom they want. And it's just, I, I never heard that growing up. Somebody moved. That somebody moved on these things. And guess what? We're not allowed to move. We are not allowed to move and we need to make sure we don't let tribulation change our faith. We don't let tribulation change what we believe. I'm sick and tired of some preacher preaching something right. It goes viral on the internet and then you hear him putting out an apology later. I don't want to hear that. You know what? I want you, you know, when you go viral, you put out a video clarifying and you let everybody know, hey, I like what I said. In fact, I think I probably could have said even better. Here's, way, here's how it is. Just put it out there. Don't let tribulation move you. We need to stand still in our doctrine. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ, that we, be hen- that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, so that get moved around, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And let me tell you, it takes effort to stand still in doctrine. And I thank God for the messages that I heard growing up. I, I remember hearing the messages about, I think it was um, Eliezer, the son of Dodo, who, you know, he fought until his hand was weary and it claimed to the sword. It talks about how he did it to protect a uh, patch of lentils. That was all it was for. It's like, those were God's lentils and they weren't getting them. You might not think it's a big deal, but he understood those were God's and the enemy wasn't getting them. And that's how we need to be in our doctrine. It might be a little thing. We don't need to go compromising on that stuff. And that, I mean, that's the kind of preaching I heard growing up. I mean, I heard that kind of thing all the time. And yet some of the preachers that I admired, that I listened to growing up, I have watched these guys melt when the persecution came their way. I've watched them move. And it, it's, it's heartbreaking when you see that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, it takes effort and strength to stand still in doctrine. Second Timothy 4, 1 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, endure afflictions. And he said the time's going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And ladies and gentlemen, we have been called to stand still in our doctrine, but understand we are living in a day when people can't endure sound doctrine. People are weak. 
Again, Gen Z, millennial, whatever. I just watched a video last night of this barista, a guy barista from Starbucks, crying and begging, you know, you know, Starbucks to have a union for their workers because he couldn't handle the pressure of 25 hours a week of work. People pressuring him. He's being a student and he has to work. People yelling at him. He's like crying, talking about how he got misgendered. You know, and it was, it was just like, I mean, these people can't handle anything. They can't handle anything. I mean, I'm thinking, do you think a guy like that, if he came into a service like this and heard this preaching, I mean, he's going to completely have a meltdown. But what am I supposed to do? If For me to adjust in a way that he can handle is going to be for me to move so far away from the Scriptures, I'm going to have to be up here in skinny jeans, dressed like a homo with purple and pink lights and you know all the stuff that are doing in churches today. We've not been called to move with the times. We've been called to stand still on these things. And you know what? It just, it stinks. You know, I want to be popular as much as anybody else. But I've not been called to popularity. I've been called to preach the Word, to be instant in season, out of season. I've been called to reprove and rebuke. And listen, that Starbucks barista, he doesn't want to get reproved and rebuked. That's abuse. You know, that, that's violence. And, but it's what we've been called to do, and we're not going to move. And so we need to stand still in our morals and in our way of life. Second Peter 2 or for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should after live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked." For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. Notice that Lot, he was, Lot was vexed by the filthy conversation of the wicked. And one thing that is very natural, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. It is very easy to be immoral in an immoral society. It's very easy to be immoral in a nation that does not punish immorality like it's supposed to. But you know what? We've not been called to move in our morals. We need to understand God is still upset with it. And just like God judged Sodom and Gomorrah for all their wickedness, God's going to judge this world because of wickedness. And you know what we can't do? We can't move. So, but look at all this junk that we're seeing. Yeah, it vexes your righteous soul. But don't let it move you. Don't adjust your, don't adjust your position. Well, I, I get it. The way our culture is dressing is changing. But you know what? That doesn't give you ladies an excuse to look like men. And it doesn't give you men an excuse to look like ladies. Listen, there are certain things that the Bible teaches in this subject that are timeless that we need to stay true to, we need to stick to. Yeah, but if we do, we're going to start to stick out like a sore thumb. Well, you know what? I don't think I want to blend in with the trannies. I don't think I want to blend in with the people that I'm seeing out there today. You know what? Let me stick out like a sore thumb. 
I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't want to look like a freak. You know what? If I am in a circus surrounded by clowns, I hope I stand out in, a, in, in the midst of clowns. I'll be the guy without makeup. And I'm telling you, we live in a world of clowns. That doesn't mean we put on makeup. It doesn't mean that we go and we try to blend in and do all the things that they're doing. No, we don't move. We stand still. We keep doing the same thing. That, that's what we've been called to do. And we need, so we need to make sure, and I, we can talk about all these things a lot more. We also, lastly, real quick, we need to stand still or be still in our service for God. And, and understand, being still does not mean you do nothing. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. How do you do that? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You want to, man, I, I'm, and it, it's one of the most frustrating things for me as a pastor is just putting up with all just the fair weather Christians that come along. I mean, they'll come along and when things are going good in a church, when things are exciting, when there's big crowds out soul winning, they're there. They'll be at all the big soul-winning marathons. They'll be at all the big fun events. But when it comes to just the day-to-day, week-to-week things, where are they at? You know, they're hiding out. You know what? That's not how things are supposed to be. We're supposed to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You don't just abound in the work of the Lord when big things are going on, when the cameras are, go- when the cameras are around and things like that. We've got a bunch of those people that are out there. We've got a bunch of these people. They're, they're always ready to go to the biggest soul-winning marathon. Wherever there's a big event... They're there, but when it comes to week to week in their church, you can't find them. You know, and I'm tired of people, they'll come through here acting like we don't do enough in our church, but yet you can't find them half the time when you have anything going on in the church, when you have soul winning going on. Listen, when it comes to our service for God, you know what you need to do? You need to figure out what God expects from you on a week to week basis. You need to make soul winning, church attendance, Bible reading, prayer time, walking with God. You need to make it a regular part of your life. You need to get a routine and you need to stick to it. And you need to stick to it when things are good. You need to stick to it when things are bad. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what it means to be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. I want to see God do something in the church. I'm just going to wait on God to do something. Well, here's how I'm going to wait on God to do something. I want God to fill this place up. You know how I'm going to wait on God to fill this place up? I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to as many people as I can. And understand... You know, our efforts are really nothing. But if God is with us, those efforts can be greatly used. But God still wants our efforts. And He doesn't want to change on these things. Now, when things get crazy, that's when you need to get busy. It's not time to take a break. And without a doubt, winds are blowing. Waves are crashing. But as Christians, we should have peace. And we can have peace if we will be still and know that He is God. Whatever you were doing last year is what you should be doing this year. So yeah, we're going through battles this year. Be still and know that He is God. If you're in the boat with Him, nothing can happen to you. The Bible says in John 16, 31, Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that you might have peace. Wait, how can we have peace if we're getting scattered around? How can we have peace if we're being attacked? 
if we're being persecuted, if some of us are going to be killed, how can we have peace if all that's going on? And Jesus is like, I'll tell you why. Because this is my will. This is what I've called you to do. And he said, in me, he might have peace. What does that mean? In his will, in his work, in his service, we have peace. But in the world, ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And folks, I do not see our world getting on board with what we're doing anytime soon. I don't see the news media doing a positive story about us anytime soon because of what we preach about the Sodomites. I don't, I, I, I'm probably never going to happen. But you know what? At the same, in fact, we'll probably keep getting persecuted. But at the same time, um, at least I know the Lord's happy with what we're doing. At least, I can, at least we can have peace in that. And that's what we have to do. You know what we've got to do? We, it's okay for us to recognize, you know, we see the storms and everything that's going on, but let's stay focused on Jesus. How, how is Jesus handling this storm? Well, he's sleeping in the boat. Okay, we'll do the same thing. You know, we'll, we'll do what he's doing. Now, we're going, we're going through a battle in this, or we're going through a battle in that, this, or what are we supposed to do? The same thing we're supposed to do when things are going good. Whatever, whatever your, you, you know, that routine is that God's given you of going to church, reading your Bible, praying, soul winning, you keep doing these things. You keep doing it. That's what it means to be still. But also, and know that I am God. Don't t- you know the credit for anything that gets accomplished in this church? It will not be so much because of our consistency and our stillness in these things, but because of the fact that in our stillness, it was us trusting in God. It was in us knowing God was going to do something great and God showing himself strong. And I'm telling you, that's what we've got to do as a church. We need to be still. I mean, let's keep doing what we're doing. Let's keep going soul winning. Let's keep preaching the truth of the word of God. Let's keep living godly lives. Let's keep reading your Bibles. If you haven't been doing that stuff, you better get busy doing it. You know, keep, keep doing all these things and then just watch. Just watch for God. You know, God wants to show himself strong. God's looking for opportunities to show himself strong. And if God sees an audience of people here in Rock Falls meeting together, showing up, hoping to see him do something, you know what? I think he'll show up. Now, if you're all just you know showing up, waiting to see me do something, you know what? I've already shown what I can do. It's, it's not much. But God, there's no limit to what he can do. And we need, that, that needs to be your attitude. If we could somehow get everyone next Sunday to just show up for church with this attitude, I wonder what God's going to do today. I want to see God do something today. We might be surprised. We, we really might be surprised. And so I hope you will get that attitude. And I hope now you fully can grasp this. Be still and know that I am God. I don't want you to forget about it. Listen. I hope you didn't just endure this message. I hope you will take this message. I hope you will digest this message. I hope you will think about it. I hope you'll meditate on it. The rest of this month as we read this that passage, it says, be still and know that I am God. I hope you'll do that in your life. Never, never let the storms move you. That's when you need to stay faithful. And so with that, let's pray to your Lord. We thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Uh, Lord, we, it's, it's uh, a blessing and encouragement to see uh, these stories in the Bible and to know that other people have faced 
similar things and you did great things for them. And Lord, we know you don't change. We know you want to continue doing the same kind of things. And so Lord, I pray, help us to uh, prepare ourselves spiritually in these areas. Help us to be still. And Lord, we, uh, we want to see you show yourself, God, and to show your power. I pray you'll do great things. In your name we pray. Amen.